Uh, Father, I just thank you that you are a good dad. I thank you that we get to uh, have a relationship with you. And as we slow down and as we ponder the beauty and the, the uh, magnificence of that relationship with you, I pray you would stir in us more and more of a hunger, of a love, of a of a devotion to want to know you, spend time with you, want to make you known. I pray that that this message would come with your power and your grace and your love. And I pray as we unpack this letter written to a new church thousands of years ago, that you would just so actively work through through your living and abiding word the same way you did then. You'd work now, so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help me teach with clarity. And I pray you'd give us ears to hear and pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, All right, so a little history uh, about my wife and I. We met in high school. Uh, I was uh, 16. I was kind of like this very typical, um, you know, semi-popular student council party guy. And my wife was more of like introvert, uh, very artistic. She was in the band. Uh, she was, you know, in, in all the singing things. And so uh, I, we never really crossed paths till an assembly one day. And we were just at a school assembly. Remember those? And, um, and I was just sitting there and I was like, wow, that, who is that girl? She is so cute. I was like, I want her. And um, so randomly that night I had a dream uh, that I kissed her to the song, Kiss the Rain. Remember that? Kiss the rain. Remember that one? No one. Um, and so in the rain, like Enrique style. And uh, so, you know, typical uh, proudful 16-year-old, I, I knew where her locker was. And so I, she, we never met. And so I, I literally grabbed her hand, twirled her into her locker and said to her, hey, just so you know, I had a dream that we kissed last night. And, I, and then I just left, left. It was awesome. Didn't see her for two weeks. Um, and, but then I, the next time I saw her was in youth group. And so we were, you know, I would go to all these different youth groups because uh, my dad was a pastor and, and that's just God's grace. But um, saw her singing, and then, you know, I asked her to, I, I asked her out that night, and she said no. She didn't know. <laughs> like, people don't say no to me, so. Um, why? She was like, I'm not allowed to date. And I was like, cool. So I was like, how do you get a Christian girl to go on a date with you? I was like, hey, Dad, is there, like, any, like, cool concerts, like, Christian concerts coming into, like, you know, our town? He's like, oh, yeah, Tony Campolo's coming in, like, three weeks. I was like, can I go and bring a friend? So that's how we met. We met at a, t- you know, it was great. So then started dating. But one of the things we uh, loved to do in high school, specifically in our classes, is we would, we would write each other notes. Like we were, uh, we loved it. It, it, would, it would be creative. It would be passionate. I'd write poems. She'd write me back. And what we would do is we would try to hand it to people. So if I knew, you know, my friend was going to have a class with her, I'd be like, hey, you know, give this to Nikki. Uh, or I would try to like slip it in her locker. And, and it was so exciting because the whole time I was just alert. I was anticipating what she would say, what I would say back. Like, I, I couldn't wait to go to school because I had pre-written a note and I would hand it. And so we would just have this communication over letters and I was excited all day. Um, and so I actually asked her, because she kept some of the notes. So I asked her, uh, do you have a note? Because, you know, I'm going to preach on this. It might be funny to, to hear one of these notes. So this is really embarrassing. She actually told me half of the notes were inappropriate. So I was like... That's, you know, something to pray about. Um, but this is it. This is from high school. 
All right, I'll read it to you. Okay. No, you know, you're going to laugh. Nikki, I miss you so much, exclamation mark. I think we might have been in some kind of, like, fight. Our, our relationship was like Dawson's Creek. Like, it was just, uh-huh. Um, I know I have you in my heart. You know how I know, question mark. Because when I think of you, I smile. That's good. My heart hurts so much because I miss you. Day by, so emotional. Day by day, we can get through this. We're, get, we're going through something. I know it. Just hold me close, sweet angel. I love you. Yeah. And then I signed it, just in case. And I said, P.S. and have fun. And then this stuff's way too embarrassing. So, But um, I, I begin that way because um, our passage, one of the things Paul wants to say in our passage this morning is that our relationship with God should feel like that. That our relationship with God should have this anticipatory, thrilling, exciting. We want to talk to him. We want to hear from him. We want to have this passionate prayer life. One of, one of Paul's passions as he's about to close this letter is to say we should have a relationship where we are watchful for him, where there's intimacy with him, that we can't wait to get more of him. He's saying this is what the Christian uh, life and specifically prayer life should look like in the heart of a believer. And so as we pick things up today in context, we've been the whole chapter, the last chapter three, probably the last five sermons, we've been talking about how Jesus changes our relationships. So we talked about how Jesus changes our relationship with the church, how he changes our relationship in marriage, in the home, at work, with one another. And today he's going to talk about how Jesus changes our relationship with God and those outside the church. And so that's where we're going. Um, Here's how to think, how to live out our relationship with God and those who are not Christians. So that's that's where we're going. So we're going, to, we're going to stand together as we have for this series for the reading of God's word. We're in chapter 4. So Colossians 4, verses 2 to 6. Here's what he writes. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person." So you may be seated. He, he begins with a comment about our relationship with God. And he says it this way. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Continue in prayer. So the question I have is, well, what is prayer? What is prayer? We're going to talk about prayer for the first half of this message. Simply put, <coughs> excuse me, prayer is talking to God. Prayer is our means of having communion with and relationship with God. It's, it's simply put meeting with your dad. The key to prayer, the key to our relationship with God, if that's what we're talking about, our relationship with God, when you think of prayer is not to focus on how to pray or what to pray or even when to pray, but to focus on who you're praying to. God, your father. 
And this couldn't be a greater uh, opportunity or a better day than to talk about how great God the Father is. Because we're talking about our relationship with God. And so think of prayer as meeting with your dad. Think of prayer as meeting with your dad. Now, some of you, you had a great dad. And um, you get this, your dad was present, your dad was loving, he picked you up, spent time with you, was there. Um, you know, he would, he would encourage you, he would be at your games, he was, he was in your life. Uh, you, you would just go to your dad for everything. This was, uh, this was my dad. I'm really grateful for him. I texted him this morning and just took a picture of this thing I was going to say. Uh, but he was really encouraging to me. He, he uh, gave me a lot of hugs. He would pray for me. He would teach me. He would drive me. I was just thinking about it. He would drive me to every job. I had so many jobs in high school. He would drive me to all of them. He'd pick me up, he, no matter how late it was. And, and he was just there. But let me ask you this. If you have a father who is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, all-forgiving, present, capable. His heart is inclined towards you. He seeks only good for you. What would you talk to him about? Everything. You'd be like, Dad, I'm nervous today. Dad, I'm having a bad day. This is what was going on. Dad, I'm having a good day. I can't wait to tell you this is what happened to me. Can you believe that? Dad, I'm, I'm really worried about that. Dad, what should I do with this opportunity? Dad, I'm fighting with this person. I don't know what to do. I'm feeling lost. Dad, would you show me the best way to do this? This is prayer. Prayer is a relationship with God. So when you're born physically, we begin to grow naturally and we start talking. We start talking to our dad. You know, if you have kids in here, you just know it's constant, right? Dad, dad, dad. It just comes natural. Well, when you're born again, the Bible says as a Christian, you begin to naturally talk to your heavenly father. And and my point is, is there's always something you can talk to your father about. There's always something. Do you have a need? You take it to him. Is there something grieving you? You talk to him. Are you frustrated? Do you not understand his plan? You tell him. There's always something to talk to your father about. Now, I also know that others of you, you didn't have a great dad. And, and maybe uh, your dad wasn't present. He wasn't loving. He wasn't helpful. Even worse, he was hurtful. And I am, I'm sorry, my, my wife has a dad like that. But through Jesus, you have one today who's never left you. He will always love you. He delights himself to do good for you. Some verses that came to mind this morning as I was praying for you was Zephaniah 3. I had James put them on the screen for us. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. That's the heart of a father. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Psalm 27.10 says, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Now, if you're anything like me, though, you're thinking, well, no, I, you know, I love that. I, I want to know God as father. I want to, I like praying. I want, I want more of him. But prayer can be hard. That, you know, when you think of your prayer life, most of us, you know, if someone asks you, how's your prayer life? 
you usually go, oh, I could be better, right? That's usually what people say, could be better. Um, and what does that mean? Well, you're, 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 not, you're not thinking about him. He's invisible. Uh, it, it's out of sight, out of mind sometimes. You're, you're very caught up in, in the things of this world. And, and I'm not good at that either. I have to really mark out times for me to pray. Um, but you're not alone is what I'm trying to say. And I think that's why he says what he says where he says it. Right? Our, our, our passion right now is to go, I want to learn what the Bible says to me. And so listen, listen to what he says. He says, continue steadfastly. This means devote yourselves to it. One translation says, spend a lot of time praying. This word, steadfastly, it means to do something with intense effort despite difficulty. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure in this new church, in, in Colossae, as we've seen, there's lots of hardships, there's lots of distractions, there's lots of unanswered prayers, discouragements, times where they just didn't feel like it. But this is why they need this. This is why you need to hear this this morning because prayer is everything. I think Paul is saying, continue passionately in your relationship with God. Prayer is sharing, it's talking to, it's communicating with God. Prayer is coming to God. Prayer is the gift of our dependency, our sufficiency and intimacy with the one whose glory we love and we want. And, and so Paul knows prayer is where you will get more of him, you will love more of him, you will have him tune you, you'll, you'll get into his presence and he'll be elevated in that circumstance, you'll get clarity on his purpose for your life. And before we get practical, I, I want us to get a sense of this passage, like, what I mean by that is Paul's going to go on. He's, he's going to say, hey, pray also for me that, that God would open a door that while I'm in prison, I may make it clear the hope of glory. He's going to say, walk in wisdom. He's going to say things like, make the best use of your time. Be gracious with your words. Wherever you're going, just walk in wisdom. Be ready to show and share. So, so what's he getting at? What's he getting at as he's, as he's closing this letter to this church? He's saying, don't waste your life. I think what Paul has in his heart as he wraps this up is for them to continue steadfast in what the purpose of your life is. Namely, being thrilled with and satisfied in God and then displaying in everything, how great God is. That's your purpose. That's why you're on the planet. That's why you exist. We exist to be satisfied, happy, worship God, and, and to show God and love, display him. We're image bearers to go look at how great he is in everything we think and feel and do. That's why we exist. That's your purpose. That, that's what Paul's been saying. That's why he's saying what he's saying to all his relationships. Colossians 3 says this. These will be on the screen. So whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, 
no, wait, first, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name to display the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In, in 1 Corinthians 10, he says it this way, See, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. In Isaiah 43, 7, he says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Philippians, he says it this way, it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but with full courage, now as always, Christ would be honored. This is your purpose. Your purpose is that Christ would be shown to be magnificent in your body, in your life, whether you live or you die. So we've been redeemed and loved and rescued to glorify God. So why be watchful when you pray? When you ask God to give you strength in a hard time, when you share a need, when you're asking for wisdom or a miracle or simply just have a greater heart for him, why start looking? Why why be like, I wanna be watchful in it? Because when it happens, you get to have more joy in God. You get to see God work. You get to, you get to rejoice. You get to be thankful in God. You get to go God hunting, so to say, and you get to praise him, be watchful in it. Seeing God in prayer gets you more of him. If Paul's reminding us to continue steadfast in our relationship with God, being watchful, it captures your heart in him. You get to see who he is for you. Prayer is about getting more joy in God. It's about glorifying God, not getting more joy in stuff, in what he gets you, and how he's working. Now those may be great benefits, but prayer is about getting God. Prayer is about a relationship with God. It's not about getting from God merely. It's in getting from God, you get more of God. It's about communing. It's about a relationship. It's about sinking your heart with his and getting more joy in him. Okay, dinner with my wife is about getting more of her. Not tasting the steak and thinking, I mean, I couldn't have tasted this without her. Glad she's here. She's better than the wine, than the warm bread they bring out. Y'all know I'm talking about the keg. You do. But the reason I go for dinner is to get more of her. It's about a relationship with God. Being happy in God is what Jesus dying on the cross was all about. I mean, all throughout this series, all we've been saying is if you have him, you have everything in Jesus. His answering prayer in your life, his pursuit of you is about that. It's about you and I loving God and displaying his greatness by how we live, feel, and think You and I were made to be happy in God. Um, 
what makes Christians different and unique than anyone else, what sets you apart than anyone else is not your moral virtues. It's not how we make better decisions or more centered decisions. That's not what makes Christians different. What makes new Christians different is their new affections. Is that they, they, they want God. They, want, they have a heart for God. They want to enjoy and be happy in God. That's what makes them different. We, we were at Coach Harry's funeral yesterday and over and over and over. It, I was amazed by how much this man, man, just put any man to shame. He was so gracious, such a good coach, morally perfect. But what we celebrated that day was he knew Christ. And one of the things I said at the end was, I've said this here, is that what, what made Harry want to cling to Jesus wasn't that just he could get to heaven, was because he wanted a relationship with Jesus because Jesus is wonderful. Okay, so James, like, you know, why are you going all piper on me? Like, why, why, are, we, why are we doing this? Why, why are you saying it this way? The reason I say it this way is before I feel like we can walk into a verse that says, hey, will you open a door? God, would you open doors for me? before we can have a heart that's excited to bring people into connection with God. Because that's what we want, right? If we want a door, we want, we want people to, through Christ, have God. That's what we want. We want that. We want our neighbors to have God. We want it so bad. And Jesus is, the, is, is, is who they need to trust in because when they have him, they have God. They have a relationship with Jesus. But... Before we can have a heart that's excited to bring people into connection with God, we need to have that ourselves. Right? To put it another way, if you're not enjoying Jesus, if you're not enjoying his grace and his, his faithfulness and his attributes and his saving love, and if you're not enjoying God, if he's not a passionate pursuit, if there's no happiness in him or just gratefulness or joy to want to pray and, and spend time with your Father, then, then, then sharing him will just feel like an awkward chore. If you're not thrilled with God and his love, you won't go out wanting others to be thrilled in God. Are you with me on that? You won't. And I, I, and I've, I've, I've read this verse and I just had this burden for us and I've been pleading with God all all week that he would that we would love God more. My prayer for us is that we would come out of this theater going, I want to pray. I want to love God more. I want to find and and sit under his beauty. I want to hear his word. I want to interact with him. I want to pursue after more. I, I acknowledge that all Paul's prayers are that I would just know the love of God and I would know him more deeply and more powerfully. That's all he prays for. Making the best use of the time. And it's my burden because, short church, you, you're born, you live, you die. 
that life defines your eternity. Heaven and hell will follow a straight line by what you make of this life. Think about that with me. We have one life and one life only to live where all of eternity will be shaped and determined by it. I remember in high school just being blown away by this thought, by thinking, okay, wait, let me get this straight. This mist of my life in proportion to eternity determines that. Going, I don't want to waste my spec. I don't want to waste my life. And I think this is the tone of this passage. I don't think he, actually almost all the commentators are saying that he believed, Paul really believed in an eschatological end times view, namely that Christ would come back in his time. Paul's like, Jesus could come back tomorrow. We don't waste anything here. You waste your life when you don't bring it into sync with God and his purposes. That's how you'll waste your life. You waste your life if you don't make God, pursuing God, being happy in God, hearing from God, enjoying a relationship with God, knowing more of God, showing how praiseworthy he is. It's why you're here more, that he gives you more life than anything else in this world. And you want to show him in your work, in your parenting, in your marriage, whatever you do, whatever you eat or drink, you, you go, this is, my delight is in God with thanksgiving. And so, does your, does your soul cry out? Right now, I, I want God. I want more of you. Are you hungry for him? This is why Paul has commands like this. When you don't feel like it, continue steadfastly. He knows. He knows one of the greatest works of the devil is to loosen your affection for God. His goal is to discourage and distract you from an intimacy with God. Yeah, go get busy being a Christian. Yeah, yeah, go, 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 go. Yeah, you gotta do this. Make sure you can make the right choices. There's just, there's just no time with God. There's no time. I'm not happy in him. I'm just doing it. This is why he has these commands. He's, it's why actually this summer we're doing a whole series in the spiritual disciplines. Uh, how, do we, how do we put ourselves in the fountain of where God's presence is so powerful for us? Um, and maybe you're here and you go, man, I, just so you know, James, let's just be frank. I, I don't like praying anymore because it didn't work. And Paul would say, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Why? Because we may not understand how he's at work or why he's delaying or what good he's shaping. 
But God isn't asking us to understand. He's asking us to be faithful. And I know that answer sucks, but let me just say, waiting on the Lord is not a passive posture. I mean, that's strength and beauty in the Bible. To wait on the Lord is to have an active, expectant, persistent, I'm pressing into the heart of God with all my confusion and layers of emotions for the purpose of loving God despite him saying no, not yet, or wait. The Bible calls it beautiful. Isaiah 40, 30 says this, he gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall be exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with the wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Psalm 33 says, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Listen to that last, that next line. For our heart is glad in him. Because we trust in his holy name. Here's what I can tell you personally. My prayer times away with the Lord, I try to do it twice a week. It's usually once uh, out in Lynn Canyon. They, uh, what they do, they do a few things. Number one, I... I, I try to just, I, I, I'll pray weird prayers. Like I'll start out going like, I, I don't wanna just talk to myself, God. So I really need you to be here. And I don't just wanna have self-talk. Like I need, I want, so I'll, tell, I'll give him my, like, you're my dad, I need you to show up. You gotta speak to me because I'm really, I'm going through some things, you know, I'm not, I need, I, need, I need my awareness of the nature of who you are to grow, my dependency on you. Um, and so this happened to me on Thursday. I was um, very frustrated with me. I don't know if you get that. I don't know if you ever get frustrated with yourself. You're like, why? Like, I'm, like I was frustrated with how I was, my limitations, inabilities, forgetfulness as a husband. Nikki and I were like fighting Tuesday and Wednesday because of just my lack of memory. I don't know. I suck. Um, and, I, you know, it's the same thing over and over. And so we're fighting and, and uh, you know, I got some... There was just so many things going on this weekend, and I, I, am, I was burdened by this passage, and I wanted to say, I'm, I'm, I remember praying, I'm like, I'm telling your people on Sunday, be glad in God, and I'm not glad in you. And just so you know, and we're walk, like, I'm walking, I probably look like I'm schizophrenic, because I'm still handsy, um, and... And I remember just being grumpy, grumpy praying. And I, I, I heard a verse came to my mind, be strengthened by the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And I was like, be strengthened. So I need strength. I've been asking for strength by the grace 
And I was like, by the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Like, how is that helpful right now? And then I just was like, okay, think about the grace that's in Christ Jesus. What do you have? And I, and I just started thinking, okay, well, he's probably talking about the cross. And I just, all of a sudden, it was just flooded in my heart that everything I have, that who I am, where I am, my salvation had nothing to do with me. Like it was all his grace. The grace that's in Jesus is grace that was there for me at the cross where all my sins were future. It was grace for me the last month, last week, my whole life, it's been by grace. So, and then he just re- showed me that I have no power in my week. Like it's all gonna be grace. I need grace in this marriage. I need grace in this hardship. I need, and it was interesting. Like that's not like a wow, cool, but it had power. I was freed. I started smiling. I had joy in his presence. There was fullness of joy. Just going, yeah, that's right. His grace will be there. And it was just, God, Father, thank you for showing up. It, it was that, you know, it was that verse, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest for your soul. When we're with our dad, our ideas of God are elevated. Our awareness of our personal dependencies intensified. When you don't pray, you don't get those moments. The, magnif- the magnitude of God's power and providence manifests when we're with him in his presence. There's also been countless many of times where I had hopes and desires and prayer lists and God had rightly ordered my heart. Why, you, why do you want that? Prayer cleanses, prayer purifies your heart. Prayer makes you remember your purpose. God doesn't exist for you. And that doesn't happen if you don't get there. This is why I love to pray. It's about my relationship with God. It's about our worship of God. So I want to ask you, do you love to pray? Do you love to pray? If not, pray about that. Start praying. Start praying even right now. Okay, so that's number one. Man, is that in my time? You know what? I'm just going to keep preaching. Um, that's our relationship with God. Okay, so second, how does Jesus impact our relationship with others? Let's just keep going through this. He, we just spent like a half a sermon on four words. Being watchful. Look at what he says next. So being watchful, not only for God, where you can see God show up and go, oh man, he's so real. Like, this is amazing. Um, but also this idea of being watchful is, is how is God answering other people's prayers? Meaning, have you ever prayed? Uh, maybe God would bless someone or maybe have someone intervene for a friend or a family member and someone did? And you were like, that person was answering my prayer. Here's what you need to know. The universe runs on the curves and the current of prayer. Like the universe runs on the current and the curves of prayer. Everything that we do that comes into our life, I believe comes through someone else's prayer. Like God loves to magnify himself through prayer, which means we're to be looking out for absolute sovereign opportunities where we are going, how can I fill fill this need? How can I love this person? How can I share this? And more than likely, someone was praying for that thing. And so you're an answer to prayer. He's saying, he's saying, be watchful. Who can you be praying for? 
Have you ever just walked across the street and saw someone really sad and you just started praying for them? That's it. Be watchful. Who can I pray for? Who can I bless? Who can I, who can I just love, right? As Paul's been saying, put on love. He continues with thanksgiving. Okay, C.S. Lewis, he has a great line in one of his essays on praise. He says this. He says, I think we delight to praise. I think we have it on the screen. Oh, yeah. Uh, what we enjoy because the praise is not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. He says, it is appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. Are you with that? So you can store up a love in your heart, but the enjoyment, the experiencing that love is sharing it. And that's why throughout Paul's letter, his Thanksgiving is becoming up and over and over and over because Thanksgiving takes a mere belief in our minds of being happy in God for his love, for his wisdom, for his enjoyment of him, and it completes it when you worship. With thanksgiving. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you praised something? Okay, maybe it was like a, sh- a TV show, a restaurant, maybe like a good fitness routine, whatever it was. Can you think back? I want to think about the last time you like praised something. You thought, you got to try this taco. It is so good. You got to come or you got to try this drink or you got to, you got to meet, you know, you got to see this movie. Okay, whatever it is, let me ask you, when they tried it and they loved it and they gave you this look, mm-hmm. what happened in you? More joy. You got more joy in their enjoyment of the thing you enjoyed. It's awesome. This is what Thanksgiving is. When you bring others into your joy in God and they get that joy in him, your joy will get bigger. It will. And so praise him, thank him, invite people into the thanksgiving and the worship of your joy in God. And when they enjoy it, because you, you got to taste him. He's so good. He, maybe they won't or maybe they will, but when they do, your joy will go bigger. Which leads me to the next thing he says, because this is what he's after. The lost. At the same time, he says, pray also for us. He says, it's interesting. He says, pray for your leaders, uh, your pastors, your church planners. Pray, pray for them. What, what are you praying for? That God may open to us. <coughs> Excuse me, fighting a cold. That God may open to us a door for the Bible, for Bible teaching, the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison. And what's the prayer most specifically that he wants, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. I mean, think about the priority of Paul. I mean, he is preaching, got him preaching, got him in prison. And his prayer is that more doors would be opened so that he could keep preaching more 
clearly. I found this very encouraging. A few reasons. I love his passion that people meet Jesus. He loves Jesus. And he just wants people to meet who he loves. And he wants people to know him. He wants people to live for him. So he's asking for prayer. And that's encouraging because sometimes we think Paul's like this superhero, you know, just never afraid, like just busts into rooms and starts preaching. But I, I, I like here that he's like, hey, I, I want more opportunities. There's, there's moments where I wanna share Jesus as the promised Messiah. He's the way to know God. He lived the life we could not live. He died in our place. He paid the eternal debt. Uh, but but I, I'm, I'm not, I, sometimes I screw that up. I'm not clear. I don't know what to say in a certain conversation and I get stuck. Will you pray for me in that? I, just, I love, this is encouraging because how many of us, this is how we feel. We're just like, will you pray for me in that? And I just, I felt like, man, oh, would we be a church that when someone asks you, so try this this week. If someone asks you, hey, how can I pray for you? Ask them that we would be a church that says, hey, I, I pray that I would love people so much and that I would make the gospel clear that a door would be open. Just ask for that. They'll be like, oh, I was thinking more like your dog and stuff, but cool. Cool, 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 cool. All right. If there's a God who made you, you would be made to know him and you wouldn't be happy or whole until you had him. And if he's good, you would need his forgiveness. And I have good news. He's given that by giving his son to pay for what we owe so that we could have a relationship with God in our lives forever. All I do is I practice I think of different ways I would share the gospel. Because this is what he says. He says, be ready. Now, I know most of us feel like we don't get um, to our love of God or we share Christ with others because we don't have all the answers, right? Some of us would say, it's not that I don't want to share Christ. I just, it's awkward. Like, I don't know how to get from normal conversation to this. And, And a few things I would say is, you don't need to start with the, you don't need to have all the answers. And that's okay. I think people respect if you say, look, I'd, I don't know, but let me look into it. So you don't need to know all the answers, but you need to go get it. We need to, we know how to, we can go get it. And when it comes to loving unbelievers in our lives, our neighbors, those we work with, your motive is the same as Jesus' motive is to love them, period. Right? Become their friend. They're not a project. Jesus ate and drank with sinners. And then what you'll notice is that people talk about what they love, right? They talk about what they praise. And in relationship with them, they'll eventually get to know that, yeah, I'm a Christian. This is who I love. So if you love Jesus, he will, he'll just naturally come up in conversations. What an impact forgiveness has made in your life this week, in your marriage this week. Something you read really helped you this week. Talk as if God is real for them. And I know, it's, I know it's not easy. And you want to make it genuine. But ask the Holy Spirit for help. 
Because you don't know that God may have had that person pondering something that your love in Jesus will satisfy. You just don't know. Our job is to be faithful. So how do we do this? Verse five, he says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. He's saying, be interesting, right? Be the most gracious person in the room. Have good friendships. Be normal, but engaging. One thing you could do is when you're reading the Bible in the morning, think about the people you're going to see in that day and if there was anything for them or anything that you can learn. And what, what I'll do oftentimes is I'll anticipate who's in my life, what kind of questions would they have, and as I'm reading, I'll, I'll make a note. This might be a good point if it comes up somehow with this person. Let me ask you this. Are you gracious with your words? Like, is your speech salty? You know, like, you know, like all the chip factory people, they get us because they put way too much salt in there. And we're like, mm, 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 mm. Um, right? Salty just means that, the, that you're more hungry. You're thirsty. You want more. Um, are your words so wise, so full of kindness, so truthful that people, when you speak, they want you to keep going? Do they feel built up? Do they feel listened to? Do they feel loved? Do people get encouragement when they're around you? Do you make others curious about their need for a savior or do you make them feel condemned? And notice this passage is saying, use words. It's saying that you may know how to answer. You know, the old saying, preach the gospel to everyone when necessary, use words. It's ridiculous. It's not biblical. It always requires words. Right? Well, we're loving people and caring for suffering. We need to do that as Christians. We need to care about all suffering and loving people. But, but no one's going to be like, oh man, thanks for roofing my house. I, I feel like when you were roofing, I just, I needed Christ. They won't. They won't. Now, I know there are some of us who hear that and go, Cool, but not me. I'm so, like if I asked you later on at like 4 p.m., I said, hey, what's one of the roles of a Christian when you're talking with unbelievers? Do you feel like you, you should be equipped and ready to share your faith? No. I feel like the best thing I can do is be a good, eh. I'm not letting you leave, whoever that you are in here who just thinks like, no, I don't need, I don't need to use words. You need to use words. Hey, do you want to come to church with me on a Sunday? Let them say no. Can I give you a Bible? It says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time, making the most of the opportunity. So let me ask you a few questions as we wrap up. Are you walking as wise? Or are you walking as unwise? 
What's your time going to? How do you use your time? How do you see your time? Do you see your life in relationship with your father? That's a really important question. Do you see your life? Do you see your life in relationship with your father? For your father. See, we exist to make Jesus known. We exist to show and to share him in every opportunity we can. So so what's one way today or tomorrow that you can stir or grow in your affection for God? What's one way today or tomorrow, this week, that you'll, you want to get into his presence where there's fullness of joy? What would it look like if you, today or tomorrow, you said, and we, respond, we, we responded, and we all were standing and singing, and you, in your seat, said, um, open a door for me. Help me to have your eyes for an opportunity. I'm not my own. I have this one life and you bought it. You bought me with a price. I don't want to waste it. Pray that. Pray, God, make me interesting, right? I'm like the most boring person in the room. I'm always mean. What's happening? Pray that. I always pray that because I'm the most awkward person in every room. And I'm like, I'm not interesting. I'm just weird. And I, and I, I want to be respectful. And I, anyways, I actually pray that. And uh, let me close on this note. This begins in our homes. So, dads, I want to close by praying for you. Uh, but I also want to close by challenging you. As I was convicted in this week, uh, there's no greater phrase that you'll probably hear from your kids as Hey, Dad, watch me. Like, watch me, Dad. Dad, can you watch this? Like, watch how high I can jump. Watch me dive off the, the diving board. This happened to me on Saturday. They, the kids get iPads on Saturday morning, and so they all wanted me to watch what they were doing in their iPad, which, like, I don't... But, but that was it. It was just like, watch me. Will you watch me? Dad, watch me catch this ball. Dad, watch me kick. And, and they know we're often busy. They know we're often distracted. But here's what they want, at least for a moment, is that we would truly see them, that we would see them in action. They think if we can see them in action, they believe we'll appreciate them even more. But we have in this passage an even more valuable lesson from their example. If we want our children to develop godly habits, we need to imitate them by saying, watch me. We have a duty to follow Paul's example with our children. We need to, with our children, say to them, watch me. Don Carson says, do you ever say to a young Christian, do you want to know what Christianity is like? Watch me. Are you watchworthy? How's your saltiness with them? Do they see your godly habits? Of of your prayer in the word, asking God for wisdom. 
praying with your wife in the car. And look, I have no desire to make us feel like trash, okay? That's not my goal. But my goal is to say, just don't waste your life. Like, don't waste it. Now's the time. Okay, my flesh would rather get my kids to bed so I can watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine or go work out or do something. I would way rather do that than than read to them theology and field all their questions because they just want to stay up late. And And I hate that in me. I hate that in me. So I pray, I fight. I say, God, I know I need to do this. So fathers, let them see you in action. When do your kids see you pray? When did they see you love your Bible? When did they see you praying for other people? Find ways to show them what your faith looks like. And if you're thinking, how do I do that? Um, The secret to becoming a great father is not a secret. I'll tell you what it is. Be a child of your heavenly father. Just be a child of your heavenly father. Start talking to your dad. Keep talking to your dad. Because hear me, if all you have is prayer, you have all you really need. If all you have is prayer, you have everything you need. All right, I want to pray for us, for you. And I would, I would encourage you, ask other Christian men, other dads, those who've done it, just ask them when you're hanging out and you're invited and you're just, hey, how do you do this? How do you do devotions? How do you do that? How do you just, this is not like, oh, I feel guilty, I gotta go figure it out. But like, how do you do this? Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna all rise together. I'm gonna pray and we're gonna respond. And um, we're going to sing, Father, you are all we need. And I want to ask you to really, really stop and talk to your Father. Talk to God the Father. He's here. He loves you. You'll come celebrate communion, which is, for God so loved the world that he sent his only Son so that you could have in a relationship with him forever in eternal life. I mean, that is yours. So respond to your heavenly father. But if your dad in here, when I pray, I wanna pray for you. And if you, you're saying right now, James, I want more of God. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna be able to grow. I need God's help to help me be a man in the word. I want to say to my kids right now, watch me. I want you to lift your hand when we're, when we're all praying. If that's you and you say like, I, I don't want to waste my life. And I want prayer for that. I want you to raise your hand. And then we'll sing and there'll be a prayer couple here and we'll respond. So let's pray. Father, Oh, Lord, you are all we need. I'm looking forward to singing. 
And I just, I wanna pray that as we um, respond to your word, I pray we would have more of a, uh, an excitement to this. I, I, I just, I pray against anything that would make us feel like we're not worthy. And I pray that that would make us lean into the grace of God and be excited. I pray you'd give us a, a new resolve to pursue you, to be happy in God. I pray that the world would look into our lives and see what makes us different. And that's, we have just a new heart and a affection for God and his magnificence and his grace and his love. And we know we encounter all of that in your word. It's where we have a relationship with you where these are your letters to us and we get to pray to you in response to them. And I just, I pray for an, a thrilling relationship to just blossom today. I just, I pray we'd have, we'd walk out going, oh man, I'm excited. I'm excited to have a relationship deeper and more pursuing with God. And so do, only you can work that miracle. So I pray you would do that as we sing. And, and Father, I pray for the dads today. I thank you for Father's Day. I thank you for a lot that goes into being a dad. And I just thank you for the fathers in here. And I just pray, Father, uh, Lord, me including that, 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 Lord, as you see our hands go up, we don't wanna waste our lives. We don't wanna waste our lives in our homes. We want our kids to know how great Christ is. We want them to see us and that we can say to them, watch me. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd lead that charge. You would show us that you'd spark all those things we need because we can't do it without you. So Lord, we give you this request, this desire, and we pray that you would do a mighty work in us for the name of Jesus. Pray this in your name, amen.